This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorized financial services provider. I received an interesting piece the other day and it says the following and the headline really drew me in because it says behavioral bias tune in and turn off the noise with me now is Reinhard Root who's the co-head of the four factor investment capability and portfolio manager at the four factor global equities strategy at 91 in London. It's a long introduction, but such an interesting piece. What was the motivation before we get into the nitty gritty? What was the motivation for this piece, Reinhard? So hi there, Lindsay, and thanks for chatting to me. Look, I think it's always interesting to reflect on what involvement humans have in financial markets. We know the role that we play or investors play as we, we price capital, or we play at least a role in that. But we are also just like emotional beings, and sometimes we underreact, sometimes we overreact, and I think it's that human emotion in markets that we bring that can cause uh, spikes in volatility, that can cause mispricing. So we thought it would be an interesting exercise to just reflect on why we are so emotional and to look at some of the very typical biases which we all have as human beings and how that might or might not impact the the like investments that we make on behalf of clients. You say the following, recent market volatility has shone a spotlight on how behavioural bias can distort markets. More or less explain that in your intro. But you also say sentiment-driven market reversals can obscure which trends will be sustainable and drive a disconnect between equity markets and company fundamentals. And there's been this incredible disconnect as a layman, myself that is, over over the last um, eight, nine months. It's been quite extraordinary. Yes, I mean, I suppose I would definitely agree with that. I mean, we can just look at how markets have performed uh, year to date, and it certainly has been a tremendous roller coaster. If you recall, obviously, in the part in going back to the start of the year, um, we were hit by the COVID news, markets plummeted, uh, and that didn't last very long, only for a tremendous rally to obviously occur in stock markets, not necessarily fueled feel, feel by profitability or profit growth. But you could argue initially mainly based on hope, mainly based on excess liquidity. So it, it, it has certainly been a very volatile ride. And I think throughout that period, um, you know, behavioral biases has certainly played some kind of role. Um, and therefore, I think it's quite important to maybe just take a step back and just ask ourselves, what, what are behavioral biases? And essentially, they are decision-making shortcuts that allow us to to quickly react when under pressure. Um, and they can be emotional reactions or responses to, to complex calculations that are far beyond our our own human capacity to solve. But like I said, there are there are indeed many examples of behavioral biases in academic literature that have been shown to influence, say, equity markets in one form or other. Well, we're human beings. I think most people that would be listening to this that don't have the academic background that you do and, and the people that write these studies do. You, people are, are fragile creatures. Uh, and you say that we explain what, in your piece, what behavioural bias is prevalent in markets today, including 
You go on to say saliency, confirmation bias, present bias, loss aversion and anchoring and how it creates mispriced opportunities for investors. So on the one hand, you're saying we're doing the wrong things. But on the other hand, the people that are doing the right things and sitting back can gain from other people's imperfections. Yeah, I think that's very well put. Behavioral biases can act as a headwind to performance or can be detrimental. But if you can somehow figure out a way to exploit that, that could indeed create opportunity. So so let's look at a couple of examples. For example, let's maybe look at anchoring. And, And anchoring ultimately occurs due to our reliance on initial observations to guide our present views of the world. So coupled with a a very stubborn unwillingness to detach ourselves from these, a lot of things can, for example, happen. I mean, investors will be very slow to react to new information due to that anchoring bias. And if you can take a step back and look at an investment opportunity, perhaps more objectively, one can, in fact, say, profit from that initial underreaction. Um, similarly, a lot of other biases give rise to, to overreaction, which might or might not cause, say, overvaluation for some stocks or certain sectors. So, for example, if investors feel that they are missing out on new, on new exciting say, opportunities, they may suffer from regret aversion and climb on the bandwagon, regardless of valuation and any considerations around potential upside. And the more and more buyers obviously flock to the latest fashion, this kind of herding behavior does often result in groups of stocks becoming priced well beyond what their fundamentals would suggest. And and, and therein exactly lies the opportunity for astute investors. Very interesting, those two words that you use, herd and fashion. It's so, so relevant to what's been going on in 2020 and indeed the years preceding 2020. You go on to say the four-factor approach allows us to tune in to see where prices may be distorted by market reactions and turn off the noise to objectively assess opportunities. In other words, you sit back and say, okay, let the herd uh, enjoy its fashion, but we're going to sit down and say, right, this is too high or this is too low. Is that the way that the four-factor approach works? Um, Yes, I suppose in in a nutshell. I mean, ultimately, what we try and do, we try to combine aspects of both behavioral finance as well as traditional finance in our investment approach. Um, when one look at traditional finance, we, we, we look at valuation. We, we prefer to clearly buy businesses that are attractively valued. Uh, we look at the strategy um, of companies. We look whether they're doing the right thing, whether they're earning good returns. But we also consider what we deem to be more behavioral attributes. Um, For example, the operating momentum that um, a business might have at a given point in time. And we try and essentially figure out whether the, the investor attention that that stock is receiving is ultimately justified by the operating momentum. So it's, it's, so it's really that combination of traditional finance and behavioral finance at the first stage. Um, and then kind of how we do it from, an, I suppose, an investment process perspective is we are quite firm believers in you know, combining um, objective screening um, with deep fundamental research. And we think those, those two bits provide very different inputs into our, into our investment process. If we look at what screens are good at, you know, they are good at uh, speed and objectivity. They can cast the net the, 
almost a mile wide, but they can only really go an inch deep. Whereas humans um, or the fundamental research teams that we have, uh, we've got intuition, we've got judgment, we've got we've got depth of experience, and it's ultimately the combination of that objectivity with that intuition and judgment that ultimately we believe over time delivers a good result. What sort of percentage would you assign behavior to in the in your investment equation and your investment process? Because you've been talking very interestingly about, you know, you sit down, you have a look at this, this and this, and behavior is one of them. So you might be sitting around a desk, and this is me talking simplistically, and there's a chap that has a look at price earnings ratios, for example, or EBITDA, or earnings upgrades or, or downgrades, and you, you and your team at four factor are looking at behavior and the behavior of the markets what sort of importance does behavior have in that equation or process okay it's a very good question and and, and there's no exact answer i mean i would say you know if you look at our initial stock screen which we which we use at the start to steer us towards what we believe are fundamentally attractive investment ideas, the inputs to those screens, uh, I would say, are roughly equally weighted between what I would deem to be traditional financial metrics and and metrics based on behavioral attributes, such as earnings estimate revisions, such as investor attention, which is kind of linked to share price momentum. So it's probably about half-half, to be honest. But I think every stock is unique at a given point in time. Um, and our investment cases for the stock are sometimes you know, skewed towards the operating momentum side. Sometimes it's more skewed towards the valuation side. But ultimately, we try and build a portfolio um, of stocks for clients that ultimately exhibits or that has all four of those characteristics, both valuation, strategy, operating performance, as well as investor attention. Finally, you say the following, by harnessing the objective output of technology and then applying our fundamental experience and analysis, we can provide, you say, active management that benefits from human judgment without the distractions of emotion. That's almost like someone might say to me, that sounds rather robotic. So you must be, it must be very difficult for you to sort of distance yourself from the news, from the noise, and from all the bluster that we're so used to in 2020, for example. Look, I would say, I mean, we, we are, we're also human, you know, so we, we also fall prey to the same behavioral biases which we have been discussing, uh, whether that's anchoring, whether that's regret aversion or hurting behavior, you know, whether that's the endowment effect, uh, which is, you know, one of the classic ones, you know, we, we tend to attach far greater value to stuff that we own already, you know, and that can be um, linked back, back to stocks, you know, that's why it's so difficult to sell an underperforming say, position and we tend to hold on to losing positions for for too long so we we are no no different to the average investor um i think where we are different though is that we are very clear about what those biases are and we're very clear about um the harm that they can do to investment returns over time and therefore, we have tried to construct an investment process that, as I said, ultimately combines aspects of both traditional and behavioral finance and, you know, structure our process such that, you know, it is object it is as objective as possible from from the outset and hence we prefer to start with um, almost a cold and emotional black and white stock screen 
uh, screens don't lie. Um, they are not emotional, but they but they are backward looking. So we, we can't just rely solely on that. But that's really when you switch the machines off um, and you switch the humans on. And, and as soon as you do that, I suppose you, you could argue you switch the emotion on. But I suppose as experienced investors that have been investing in this manner for more than 20 years now, we kind of understand some of those nuances. Um, so really the trick is to is to almost reject a lot of the biases which we know might hurt us over time and really zoom in and try and capitalize on some of the other biases and behavioral mistakes that other investors might be making in the market at a given point in time. Fascinating stuff, Raynott. Thanks so much for your time. Raynott Root is the co-head of the Four Factor Investment Capability and also Portfolio Manager at 91 in London.